Welcome back to Crime Connect Case Discussions. I am joined today by Nikki and Jerusha. And if you can't hear us clearly, I apologize. Our mics are a little funny tonight. Today we are discussing the Mackenzie Lewitt case. Um, you guys ready to dive into this one? Absolutely. Awesome. So if you aren't familiar with the Mackenzie Lewitt case, um, she is a University of Utah student. She went missing on Monday, June 17th. However, she was not reported missing for a whole four days later until June 20th. On Monday, June 17th, Mackenzie Lewick flew in from California and landed at Salt Lake City International Airport. She arrived at 1.35 a.m. She took a lift at 2.42, and the lift drove her to Hatch Park, which was not far right. away at all. At 2.59 a.m., she arrived at the park. And that is really all we knew for quite some time. We had no leads. We had no information. That's it. She got in this lift. She was dropped off at this park and then vanished. And I know a lot of the headlines and the speculation for days was that it had to be the Lyft driver. Right. Did you guys suspect the Lyft driver? I did not. Um, no, not, not after, you know, when I first heard about it, it was, you know, oh, it's got to be the Lyft driver because here we are again in the situation. And then, then I read that he was, he did, um, uh, pickups after that he continued to do hires and whatnot so I, I I ruled him out for myself after that yeah that's pretty much how I felt initially it was like okay it's of course the Lyft driver but yeah when they said that they had all his information and that he was cooperative I didn't really suspect him it didn't really seem I don't know logical even though criminals are stupid mm-hmm. um it just didn't fit for me. Right. So she was dropped off 3 a.m. at this park. Nobody heard from her again. She missed her classes. She wasn't talking to her family, her friends. She was just gone. And they reported her missing on Thursday, June 20th. So this is four days later. Whatever happened to her, wherever she got went, if she left on her own, if somebody took her, they had quite a while to cover it up. The investigators said they didn't get the case until Friday. Um, so I don't know. Maybe she was reported missing in the afternoon or the evening. Um, they began working it on Friday, and there really wasn't anything they could do because she had just been reported missing. I know they pretty much almost immediately put it in the media looking for her. Yep. Over the weekends, a lot of different news outlets reported her missing. If you know anything, call the police, that sort of thing. But there, the police said they couldn't really serve any warrants at that time because there was no indication that anything was wrong. Right. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes adults do go missing mm-hmm. on their own. But Which was one of the ma- ma- main speculation in the very beginning was everybody yeah. that maybe she had taken off with, you know, somebody that she knew, um, yeah. 
or uh, then there was the first Airbnb rumor that was going around that unfortunately, you know, was talking about her being in a drug den or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And also her grandmother had just died. So I know a lot of people were speculating that Mm -hmm. it was just too much. Right. Her grandmother died. She had a midterm. Maybe it was too much for her. Like too much stress. And right. she took and, some space. Yeah. Well, because she was also I'll, supposed I'll to admit, be. I'll admit I thought that. Yeah, because she was also supposed to be in a wedding the next weekend after that. So mm-hmm. I can just imagine all yeah. of the pressure of everything that was going on. And yeah, you know, I would think that was a little too much at, this, at all at once. Yeah, I really hoped that that was the case and that she would just turn up. Honestly, in the very beginning, you know, I think I told y'all that I felt like this was a case that she had taken off. I felt like even her her friends and family and the information that they were putting out and the law enforcement, the stuff that was going out, I felt like they even thought that she had just kind of gone AWOL for a little while. And, you know, being that she is, you know, the age she is. And, you know, I mean, she's young and she's dealing with a lot. It's a weekend. Yeah, it's 3 a.m. But I mean, let's be real. People do things at 3 a.m. You know, I mean, I really was thinking that it, you know, it was just something that she was doing. She was hanging out with somebody. She, you know, and just didn't want to talk to anybody right then. And that was, I think that was kind of my thoughts until, you know, I found out more about it and realized that she was missing, you know, these big events. And then it, it kind of turned into an, okay, well, you know, I, I can't see if she was as responsible as everybody says she was. I can't see her missing, you know, her midterms. Right. Right. And then also she was very active on social media and like she went Mm -hmm. completely quiet. So that was like something that the family was concerned about and the friends were concerned about because she posted so much on Instagram and, and whatever other accounts that she had. Right. And just nothing after, after 3am, it was just nothing. Right. So Monday, June 24th is when they first had their first press conference and they kind of gave us some insight into what they were doing. They gave us the timeline that we just spoke about. Mm-hmm. They set up a tip line. They were canvassing Hatch Park and the area around Hatch Park for surveillance cameras. Now, they did tell us at some point that they had cameras from around Hatch Park from the area. They didn't really say anything was on them, but they did say they had stuff there. But they didn't actually have anything from Hatch Park because what we later found out is that cameras at that park are dummy cameras. They do not work. Right. I want to back up just a little bit, though. At the very beginning, we didn't even know that she was dropped off at a park. We just knew that she was dropped off somewhere. And we couldn't, they couldn't, they, all they said was that it was not a residence and it was not a business. Right. At that press conference, Monday's press conference, they did ask, at the very end, they put out a, two statements. One, they were asking um, Mackenzie, if she's listening, that it's okay if she wants time and space, it's okay to go away, but just to contact either Salt Lake City or wherever she's at, contact law enforcement to let them know she's okay. And then they also asked if 
anybody knew if she had any second mm-hmm. phone or other social media accounts mm-hmm. to let them know. Right. They didn't quite go into specifics about that, but we had already learned over the weekend about her social media accounts mm-hmm. and this kind of lifestyle that she lived that most people are not used to. Right. Backtracking just a tiny bit, that weekend, while we didn't really have a lot of information, a lot of people started talking about her being into what's called the sugar lifestyle. She had spoken about being on a website called Seeking Arrangements, and she talked about being a sugar baby. Yeah. It wasn't really a secret. I don't think she was keeping it a secret from her friends because her friends told police that she, and they told the media that she was seeing multiple people. She even posted and I that. I believe that weekend she was staying at the Ritz Carlton. Didn't, mm-hmm. she, didn't she say that, didn't they say that there was a video of her inside a Ritz Carlton hotel room that weekend? I haven't seen that, but I, I do know that, that she posted, you know, we've seen the posts and from her where she was talking about the lifestyle and, um, you know, how she had these relationships mm-hmm. with a couple of different people and that she was very familiar with it and, you know, things like that. So I really don't think that she kept it a secret from from too many people. I don't know if her family really knew about it. Yeah. And she was giving tips on how to um, put out the call Mm -hmm. as a sugar baby. Right. Now, people are very confused about Mm -hmm. the sugar lifestyle. Right. It's brought out a lot of different Mm -hmm. comments that aren't always correct. And a lot of people are learning a lot of things that they didn't know before. Yeah, me. I took some time. I've known about the sugar lifestyle from before this, just from documentaries and stuff online. I spent a lot of time reading. Um, but I just wanted to refresh my memory before we did this. So I went in and read a ton about it. It is not prostitution. It's not an escort. It's a very different kind of arrangement, basically. A sugar baby and a sugar daddy, as they call them, will have an arrangement that they agree on. It's a long-term arrangement, usually. And you usually have a set number of public and private meetings every month based on the kind of pay that the sugar baby wants Mm -hmm. um, or is offered, because usually it's the sugar daddy offering the payment. They go out, they go to shows, they go to sports events, they'll go to dinner. Most of them that I saw do more public outings than private outings. So even if you're going out, you're not necessarily coming back to his place to have sex. Right. You may just say goodnight and go home. It's it's a very interesting arrangement because usually the sugar daddy mm-hmm. just wants companionship. And when sex does happen within these arrangements, it's kind of like organic. It's because both of them want it. They've already gotten to know each other. It doesn't happen on the first meeting at all. Um, and the sugar baby 
and the sugar daddy want to engage in it? I think it honestly sounds a lot like um, having a trophy wife without actually having to have the wife. Exactly. And a lot of the sugar daddies say that that's exactly what they want. They don't want the baggage of a wife who's going to want more. Well, you don't have the responsibilities. Um, You Mm -hmm. don't have, I mean, you have your own place. You go home at the end of the night. You don't have to worry about somebody asking you where you're going or what you're doing because that's a part of your arrangement already. Um, And then when the arrangement is terminated, you don't lose half of your stuff like you would in a divorce. All right. Exactly. So it's, and a lot of the sites that I saw where these women discuss this lifestyle, you know, for support and advice and stuff, they do not allow you to advertise escort services and stuff like that. It's not that they judge them differently. It's just, they do not want to be seen in that light. It's totally different. And I know some people are going to be like, like Mm-mm. relationship, sex, money, it's all the same. But things are different. There are gray areas. There are more complicated things in life. So we do not call her. I don't like the word prostitute mm-hmm. in the first place. She's not a, a sex worker, an escort. Well, and even if, you know, she's a sugar baby or she's a sex worker or whatever, any life is going to have, um, you know, disadvantages that can lead to your death. I mean, an engineer, um, yep. uh, you know, working as a cashier, you just don't know. I mean, who knows how somebody's going to die? Nobody knows. Absolutely. And everything, let me tell you, being a young woman, you're... You're in danger of attracting somebody Mm -hmm. at any point. I could tell you working in retail when I was younger, when I was 18, 19, 20, I used to get the creepiest Mm -hmm. men hitting on me just for doing my job. And I, I think I have told you guys this before. I had one call me every single morning when we opened to the point where I couldn't even answer our phones anymore. Because he was just calling me and basically like stalking my voice. And at the time I took the bus to and from work and it was very scary. And I know women who are listening to this have had experiences like that too. We put ourselves at risk just going outside. Mm -hmm. I work. And no matter what you're wearing, you can go outside in sweatpants and a baggy t-shirt and you're still putting yourself at risk. I worked at a, at a certain yep. music apparel slash, you know, rock rap store that a lot of people know about for over 10 years. I was once, somebody came up to me once and said, I would love to take you to a cemetery and have a picnic. I had another mm-hmm. person come in the store, buy a complete outfit that cost him over $300 leave the store and came back 10 minutes later and he was fully dressed in the outfit that he purchased from me and, and came back and wanted my phone number. Um, I was stalked on the phone. I was held in my store, uh, hostage by 
another cash by a salesperson that worked for me. And the only reason I was able to leave the store was to tell him that I needed to use the restroom. And because he knew that we didn't have a bathroom in the store and he knew that I was pregnant, he had to let me, he let me, he let me leave. He didn't think anything about it. But as soon as I left, I called and got help right away. I, I had to, like the security guard, the security guard booth was to the right and the bathrooms were to the left. So I had to go left because I left somebody in the store with him. I had to go left. And so I had to call the mall security from a payphone outside this is way back in the payphone days and, you know, get security on the phone. And then I had to call the manager and then we called the police and then they, they took it from there. So it really doesn't matter where you work, what you do with your life. Yeah. There's people out there that just are completely batshit crazy and they're going to put you in a situation because that's their, their issue, not yours. You have nothing to do with that. Yeah, Absolutely. And I feel like if women, who men or women, I mean, we, we take risks all the time. There are people who cliff dive and there are people who do, you know, extreme sports that risk their lives right. all the time, you know, and they don't really get blamed a lot when things happen in the way that women do mm -hmm. when they just go out. I feel like if women choose to engage in a, a lifestyle like a sugar lifestyle, First of all, I know these communities are always talking about being safe, know who you're going out with, know the risks. And I think women who do this and who are in these groups getting support for it, they know the risks out there and they choose to do it anyways. And I feel like that shouldn't yeah. be shamed at all. You know what I mean? And we all do different things it is a, every it day. It is a form of a consenting relationship. You have the sugar baby and the sugar daddy, yeah. but they are both consenting to this relationship. It is not where, um, you know, somebody is taking control over the other person. And actually, if I remember correctly, the sugar baby actually has more control of the relationship than the sugar daddy does. Yeah. If the sugar baby doesn't want to do something, there's, there's, there's not a contract signed that would hold up in anywhere that says you have to do this. And really the men who engage in this, they don't want that. They yeah. want the companionship. They don't want this hostile relationship and they don't want to control somebody. If they wanted mm -hmm. that, they would just go get yeah. a girlfriend that they weren't paying thousands of dollars for no, and they would go do that. I know a lot of people have confused this with um, traffickers and women who are attached to their pimps and call their pimp sugar daddy, that is not a legit right. sugar lifestyle like Kenzie was, right. was in. Um, just as a single woman uh, myself, you know, you guys are all married uh, or, you know, in, in long-term relationships that, that you're, you know, bound to. But, you know, as a single woman, I've always like, if I go out with somebody, I tell you guys, and I show you what I, I tell you what I'm wearing. I show you a picture of what he looks like, what his name is, just because yep. I want someone to know who I'm going. Out. I would never, ever, ever go out without letting you guys know who I'm going out with. And 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 yeah. I mean, 
you're the only people that I do that with. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of comments I've seen are, why would any of these women go out with men they don't know? Well, we all do that. I mean, if we didn't all do that, we would never have relationships. That's what dating is. And nowadays, we know more about people than we did back in the day, before the internet, before we could stalk people, before we went out with them. You just kind of have to put your faith in life. It's it's something we've all done. Yep. And and go with your gut. Trust. Yes. Trust your gut. If something tells you that something is wrong, you need to get out. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're meeting somebody for the first time, you meet in a public place. Um, don't ever leave point A and go to point B in their car. Um, follow them. You know. Take your own vehicle, get your own transportation. Even if you you got there by Uber, wait for your Uber the 10 minutes. They can wait 10 minutes. And if they get irritated and they start getting upset because you mm-hmm. won't get in their car or whatever, and they can't wait the 10 minutes for an Uber and they can't understand that, then that's on them, not on you. You're doing what you need to protect yourself. And truthfully, I think like one of the things that is out there that you yeah we all have to remember is that you never want to leave point a in any dangerous situation if you leave point a you will point b will be your last stop so don't leave point a well and i think with this particular case that's the part that is the hardest for me to wrap my mind around i have been sitting here all day trying to figure out what type of relationship these two had? How well did they know each other? Why was she comfortable enough with him to meet him at this empty park at three o'clock in the morning? Um, one of the reports that I read said that the yep. Uber driver or the Lyft driver said that she seemed very happy to see him. She jumped in the car. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit confused as to how how much they really knew each other and the only link you know obviously I can't see um her digital footprint I can't look and see what law enforcement sees in her social media and all of the communications that she's had through text on her phone Um, but I do know that he did attend the same school at some point um it says that he went to Utah State off and on um over the last Mm -hmm. few years so I'm wondering if it's possible that maybe he met her at school and they just developed maybe a, a friendship. Well, there, there's, there are two, she's at the university. He went to state. So there, there's, it's two different schools. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, we're going to, we, so we stopped mm-hmm. at the sugar lifestyle and the first press conference. Right. Um, so the first press conference was, what did I mm-hmm. say? It was June 24th. We had one June 25th. We didn't really get anything new except we got pictures from the airport of Kenzie walking around. Then on June 26th, we had that Airbnb rumor. A lady said she was cleaning an Airbnb and she thought that Kenzie might have been one of the people inside. And there was blood inside the Airbnb and mm-hmm. some drug paraphernalia. Um, this has turned out to be, as far as we know, not connected at all right. with the case. But it was a big rumor that day. 
And then, as we were discussing this rumor, we had some breaking news on the on all the media sites about a search warrant being executed at a house that also was an Airbnb. Right. So we eventually got um, some information about this house. They wouldn't really tell us how it was connected, but they wouldn't tell us who owned it, although we did find that out. While the media was there in front of the house, we could see them digging holes in the backyard, taking evidence out in bags. It looked like clearly they believed Mm -hmm. this was a crime scene. Didn't they, just before, just before we found out that the address or the house, didn't they announce Mm -hmm. that the last person that had texted with her was cooperating? I think... They announced, I don't know if they said cooperating, but I knew they said they were in contact. I think that's the wording that I remember. And then they started at the house at noon, according to neighbors. Right. Right. At noon, um, although I don't think we found out till a couple hours later. But yeah, they were. It was a few hours. They were there a long time. Um, We could see after they searched and everything, a very large pile of ash in the backyard. And neighbors told the media that was there that they had seen him burning something, I think they said for a few days. The 17th and the 18th. Yeah. Yeah, Um, With gasoline. And they could smell the gasoline. They also said there was a weird stench as well. Yes. All of that. Once Once they went to this house and clearly it was a crime scene and you have this report from the neighbors I feel like kind of that's when my hope disappeared mm-hmm. I think because we cover so many cases and we know that once we get to this point that it's kind of the end of the line yeah I I went as soon as like I heard about the fire and I saw the ash pile my mind went straight to Manitowoc is that how you say it? yes because like I felt like this is really bad. This does not look good at all. I mean, the the ash pile was clearly really close to whatever that that part of the house was there. Um, yeah. So yeah. I was trying to figure out how he could burn something so hot and whatnot so close mm-hmm. to the house. But whatever, that's what he decided to do. But as soon as I saw that pile, like, I went there and I was like, oh, crap. And I did see the wooden pallet. I only saw one. Yeah. But I, I think maybe he probably had more. And that with the gasoline yeah. probably well, and, and over two days. In in the Stephen Avery case in Manitowoc, I think they yeah. only said that fire but burned he, for like, like four hours or, or something. Right. And so I was you can imagine two and, days. And, and, and this is because I wanted to yeah. hope for the best was that I was thinking maybe he just got rid of her luggage and... You know, I'm like, maybe he, she left it there and he didn't want mm-hmm. to be tied to her. Who knows? And I was like trying to like rationalize that a little bit. Like, yeah, maybe that's the what I thought too. The report was true and she did leave with a garbage bag and he was he was burning the luggage. I, I, mm-hmm. I was just trying to that, rationalize it somehow. The houses are very close together. The Airbnb houses? Yeah, well, the with his neighbors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. So like he's very close to his right. neighbors. 
to be burning a yeah. body. I, I can tell you, I have Very um, like two acres of property and our neighbors each have, you know, a nice size property and we all have burn piles. And every time a neighbor burns something, we know they're burning mm-hmm. something. We can smell what they're burning. I know if a neighbor is burning garbage or plastic. Um, And even like on in my house, we can stand on the back porch and see over the fence to see what our neighbor is burning if we wanted to. We have an acre here. I had a hard time believing that he burned her body right there next to all his neighbors. We have an acre here. And um, there was one day we did a burn and a neighbor actually came over and was worried because she had seen smoke in the backyard but it's not that uncommon mm-hmm. for for us to be doing that but it, it it was just like one of those things i mean we neighbors are still paying attention is pretty much how i see it yeah you know that saying if you see something say something mm-hmm. if you smell something just call mm-hmm. it in yeah I have, in the last house I lived in, our neighbors were burning plastic, which is illegal and toxic. And I had a newborn at the time and all the smoke was coming into our house. And I called the fire department and I was like, I don't know what they're burning. Right. But it's not legal, (laughs) you know? Um, And they came and they checked it out and they were like, yeah, they're burning plastic. We told them to put it out. Yeah. Just call the fire department. It doesn't, you don't have to call 911. You could just get the number to the fire department and say, hey, I don't smell something right. Can you come check exactly what they're burning? If you think somebody is burning something illegal or something like a body, don't wait to find out if something someone is missing or the police to come knocking on your door asking if you saw anything. These non-emergency lines are there for us to use. And I feel like we've had a lot of cases lately that use this way of disposal. Exactly. So after they searched this house, they took the homeowner in for questioning and then they released him. They did say, even though they released him, that they they were going to call him a person of interest. Mm-hmm. We did not... Um, get his name from the police, but because a lot of records are online, we did get his name and it is Ayula Ajaya. And there is some controversy over where he's from. He's either from Nigeria or Somalia. Yeah. I I think now they're saying Nigeria. Yeah. They're saying Nigeria, but for like, I, I swear that like even he, it was listed somewhere from him that, it was Somalia. Yeah, he said he was because from of the- Somalia. Yeah. And there's another one with his same name from Nigeria, but right. like he works for the government. I saw that too. So I don't know if they're confused or it's right, but I know that at least one media outlet is saying that the district attorney is saying he's from Nigeria. Right. Was okay. I think Let's it was I, I think it was the book notes. that talked about Somalia. Was it was it the book? I'm trying to look right now. Yeah, because he was, he's a self-published author, and he has a book on Amazon. Forge Identity. I'm looking at Forge Identity. That's what it is. And do you want to read the description of the book? Yeah. Ezekiel was almost 15 when he witnessed a gruesome murder in 
angry mob burned his neighbor alive in the street and the man died at his feet. Sadly, it was the last time he witnessed it was not the last time he witnessed such horror with what his well-respected father as a guide and mentor Ezekiel saw his death, this death, then a death much closer to home when a loved one was killed in the same brutal terrifying way 50 feet from him and he could not do anything to stop it. Staggering to recover from these severe traumas, he finds relief and joy in meeting his first love, becomes embroiled in grand theft, and experiences heartbreaking betrayal. Ezekiel must decide if he will join the ranks of this criminal mastermind or fight to escape the tyranny that was surrounded that, that has surrounded his young life or even beat them at their own ga- game. What trust is lost? Can he uh, even trust himself? So in the book, two deaths by fire that they talk about. And this was published 10 months before this happened. Right. I'm trying to look for his, his, um, his uh, author summary or whatever it is. I know what you mean. I just don't know what to call it. (laughs) His biography. Yeah, that. (laughs) Shut up. Let's see. Uh, Let me just researching while podcasting. It, yeah, I mean, you know, we're doing letting our fingers do the walking <laughs> or the work. If you're too young, young to understand what that means, just Google it. <laughs> just Google. <laughs> I know. I saw somewhere he said he was from Somalia. Like I just know. Like yeah, I, I remember reading it, and that's what I had always heard. It looks like uh, it looks like they've taken it down mm-hmm. from Amazon. I heard that actually. I just saw that um, someone posted that yeah, in the group. It's not on Goodreads anymore either. Let me. Um, we can keep going, and I'm gonna look at my screenshots because I know I saved okay. it. Yeah, this is a very fluid case. We were still, as we were getting ready to podcast, getting documents that were just being released and stuff. It's crazy. So. After they released him and said he was a person of interest, we had, I think, a day of quiet, maybe. Yeah, like a day. Um, And then today, I know it was around 1030 my time, Eastern time. All of a sudden, all over Twitter and the media was reports of heavy police presence and SWAT team presence at a apartment building. And by the time I got to it, they were already saying it was related to Mackenzie. Um, I think because there are very clear pictures of this suspect being arrested. The same homeowner of the house they searched before. Um, They have very clear photos of him with the SWAT team. It looked like he went peacefully. So I think the media obviously identified him identified him quickly and they were all over it. So we waited a couple hours after that for a press conference and today's press conference confirmed that Ayola Ajaya was our suspect. He was being charged with aggravated kidnapping, aggravated murder, obstruction of justice and desecration of a body. Mm -hmm. The police chief said, unfortunately um, they did find evidence that Mackenzie 
was deceased. They got um, some DNA evidence that matched her at the house in the holes that they excavated. They found female tissue that had been burned. And they also found charred personal items that were consistent with belonging to Mackenzie. It doesn't. So I do believe that he did. He did burn her luggage just as yeah. much as, as he possibly burned. Yeah, her I think too. he burned everything mm-hmm. except the mattress, which we'll get to. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like there's really nothing left of Mackenzie, unfortunately, other than whatever they were able to test. Okay, I real quick, I found the biography. Okay. Hey, that's what it's called. Um, I'm just going to read it real quick because I don't want to like say anything okay. else. Um, this is what this is what I have. It says Ayula Ajaya was born and raised in Africa. He uh-huh. has been a salesman, an entrepreneur, and a writer. He has survived a tyrannical tyrannical dictatorship, escaped a real life crime traveled internationally, excelled professionally in several industry industries, and is currently curating a multi-platform advertising campaign for his debut novel, Forge Identity, a sample of which can be found on Kindle, Amazon, Facebook, and any social current social media he lives in Salt Lake. Blah, blah, blah. That's all it says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I forgot to... He, he left out... Um, his military training and his modeling career, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised, though, because he seems really into He's so proud of that modeling. Like, talk about the body. Yeah. He doesn't look like that now, mm-hmm. I can tell you that. That's probably why he keeps talking about it. The mm-hmm. good old days. And that's probably the picture that she saw. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So, what we have is... A suspect arrested now. We have DNA evidence. The phone records indicate that she was texting him on the 16th, the day before she went missing. And we believe she may have been, he may have been the last person she texted after she told her mom that her plane had landed. Well, I'm assuming that she would either have called him or texted him to let him, let him know that she was... She had arrived, and I believe that I'm, I'm assuming that he chose where they were going to meet uh, instead of him picking her up at the airport. For whatever reason, he probably talked her into that. Um, or maybe she decided that she was going to leave the airport on her own and, and meet him uh, so that he didn't know where she was coming from. So I don't know. I have two theories about that. Number one, we know that he lived in the apartments next to Hatch Park at some point and was evicted. So my first theory is that they knew each other when he lived there. And she decided to meet him and was like, I'm, I'll meet you at the park. Then we'll go to your apartment right there. Well, see, sorry, I wasn't trying to interrupt, but I mean, his house was five miles from the park. Right. Yeah. But it was a lot closer to the airport. If you look at our, our map, which we have in the group, mm-hmm. his house is almost 
right next to the airport. Right. So it just makes no sense to me. She has to go, like, north, I think, to the park. So that's why I'm thinking either she thought he still lived at the apartments. And so she went there. Um, That means that she had to have known him for a while because um, he owned that house for, uh, it says, a year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that's a possibility. Um, But the other thing I think is more likely is that they didn't know each other because he had, according to the police, he had a picture of her profile picture on his phone, I believe. I think he knew that the park was, you know, dark Mm -hmm. Cameras in a work, that kind yeah. of thing, because mm-hmm. he lived right there at one point, and he decided to meet her there because it was probably a lot easier than you know her meeting him at his house and all her cell phone information linking her location to his house. You know what I mean? Right, and and it was definitely in the opposite mm-hmm. direction of her home, so she was definitely going to meet him. Uh, prior to being picked up from the Uber driver because she had to give an address to the Uber driver before she even got in the Uber car or in the car. So I think it's likely that he told her in text to meet there knowing that as soon as she got in the car, her cell phone stopped mm-hmm. working according to police. Something happened as soon as she got in the car. They had no idea where she went after that. Do you think maybe he... Do you think maybe he pulled a gun as soon as she got in the car? Or knocked her out. Yeah, something. And I don't think, and you guys can give your opinions on this, I don't think this has anything to do with her sugar lifestyle. I don't think this was a sugar daddy who was pretending to be somebody else. I don't think that it was a sugar daddy advertising himself as a sugar daddy. Because I don't, sugar babies are not going to go meet their their sugar daddy the first time at 3 a.m. in a park. That's not how that lifestyle works at all. They will meet in public in the daytime or in the evening at a restaurant, something like that. This screams to me more like possibly a Tinder hookup or some sort of thing like that. Not at all shaming because this is a normal thing in this day and age. But I think that's more of what it sounds like. Yeah, I think that um, one of the reasons that we uh, see or the, the, the Uber or the Lyft driver, sorry, I keep saying Uber, but it was a Lyft. I think the reason that the Lyft driver said that she looked happy and that she knew the person was because that's part of kind of like um, she did know him because and it's part of like how she has to react Mm. in order to maybe play the part of a sugar baby if that was the situation with him um who knows he he's a is he how old is he 30 something Ooh, i don't know i don't remember or you know she had just been talking to him for a couple days while she was out of town waiting to hook up with this guy maybe she felt a connection and she was excited to finally be back in town and when she saw him she was excited it could just be as simple mm-hmm. as that. An everyday hookup. Yeah. 
Um, I just found something that uh, Kristen just posted about the book. Uh-huh. Um, wasn't there... Wasn't he's 31. There somebody related to this case? <laughs> uh, he, he's 31. Woohoo! Go Nikki! Uh, yeah, so he was... He, I mean, he's 10 years... He's almost 10 years old. He was almost 10 years older than her. Wow. Um, wasn't there somebody in this case re- related with the name Anderson? I don't, I don't know. I don't know of that name. You're better with names than me. Is that it? Was was that Chris's first name, Chris Anderson, the one that was the leaving reviews. the the Airbnb re- reviews that said you can sleep like the dead here, and both of them were basements. <sighs> let me. I don't know. I you I can edit that. this out if you. <laughs> Because um, on Goodreads, uh, Kristen just posted this. Our our faithful companion, Kristen Devoy, just hey, posted Kristen. this on the group, and it it's a review from Ruth, um, R U T H Ruth. I got this as a Kindle book on August twenty first. It was added to my Goodreads list on the fourteenth, which is the day I entered the drawing. I'm sorry you didn't like my review, but attacking me won't change it. It's poorly written. It would likely be a very good book if it underwent some edits. Since the author commented on my review yesterday, then deleted the comment, which is practically identical to what you've written here, I'm going to assume you're the author. And then it says, notice your account as Anderson was started yesterday, and you've also rated the book, even though you say it doesn't come out until the 31st. This is a, a sure way to alienate potential readers. I'd advise you to be open to constructive criticism. Wow. So, uh, I just, the Anderson thing kind of like grabbed me. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with that. Maybe it's something and maybe it's nothing, but. No, it was not Anderson. I can't make out what it was, but it doesn't look like it was Anderson. But that was a creepy. Oh. I wonder what he said. I wonder like what the attack was. I don't know. I'm trying to look at it. Look for it. Ayula did reply to Anderson saying, thanks, Anderson. Some people do receive a copy by mistake before it was released. I Kindle plan to review and push the new version to all the readers. Ruth, I deleted my comment upon receiving this information. Thanks. But there's nothing else from Anderson that I see. So I wonder if that's been removed too. Anyways. We can move on. So he, um, it did come out tonight that he was investigated previously for a sexual assault. The victim in that case did not want to press That makes me sick. It makes me sick that that's Mm -hmm. just like the environment Mm -hmm. that we have Mm -hmm. now. You know, we report all the time about judges giving convicted sex offenders these lenient sentences or no sentence at all, or allowing them to plea down their sentence or their charges so that you have a rapist pleading down to, you know, simple assault or some bullshit like that. I watched it happen just the other day. I was, and I, I told you guys this, and it pissed me off, and I wished I'd follow him out there. I don't know what I would have said to him, but I was upset. No. And I I was like, you know, gripping my hand so hard that like my fingernails were in my 
the palms, you know. Um, but I sat there and I was rocking and I was listening to this guy uh, get, he molested a minor and the charge was knocked down to disturbance to a minor or some crap like that, which meant he got three years probation, mm -hmm. one day time served in jail, and he does not have to register as a sex offender. But the but he was definitely uh, arrested for child molestation. And I was furious. I wasn't even there for that. And I was furious. I was so That's pissed. crazy. Well, and my whole thing with this is if something happens and someone is raped, even if the victim chooses not to press mm -hmm. charges, they can still press charges. The state that, you know, they can still press charges on them without yeah. the victim. So what pisses me off about this whole situation is that they investigated it, um, you know, I, and we don't know if they found anything. Maybe they didn't find anything. You know, maybe they couldn't prove anything. But if they did, and judging by what has has gone on with what he's done um, with Kenzie, I feel like they had to have something. Um, you know, and I just feel like, why is it that when when a female says, hey, you know what, I, I'm not going to press charges because everybody knows the reason they don't want to do it is because they're scared and they know that they're going to be drugged through the mud. I mean, plain and simple, that's the way this world works. When, uh, when you accuse somebody of rape, then it comes back to that whole, well, what were you doing that night? How many people have you slept with? Things like that. Um, so I feel like when things like this happen, if the victim does decide at some point, Hey, you know, I don't want to pursue this anymore. I feel like they should, you know, look into that a little further and see why, why do you not want to proceed? And then if, I mean, they should at least try to do something with these people because look at what's happened now. He was, he was, you know, investigated. She didn't press charges. And then here we are five years later and he's killed somebody. And quite honestly, do I believe that this is the first person that he's done something to? No. Yeah. So I think it's because, like, sexual assault is so personal to people. Um, I think a lot of times they don't want their identity out there. And so the district attorneys, um, unlike domestic violence, where they kind of just prosecute anyways, I feel like mm -hmm. they take this extra precaution with the victim for the victim's mental health. But I think really until society changes, these judges change, all these people blaming the victim changes, it's going to keep happening. Women are just not going to want to report because especially now, once their case hits the news, it's, it's a mess. You have every single stranger that sees it judging you. Right. Well, and it's not, and that's not, that's only a part of it. A part, the other part is the fact that, you know, if somebody who has been victimized goes and actually has the, the rape kit mm -hmm. performed, that's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. And then to find out that you have to help, um, keep, uh, pay for, for storage or whatever for mm -hmm. the rape kit and then the rape kit isn't tested because they're yep. backlogged so far. And, you know, and then we hear about 
cases finally coming out and most of the time um the the perpetrator is in prison or has served time for other sexual yep. assaults i think we talk about this all the time yeah um us admins we were always talking about this and we looked it up when the hanya aguilar case was going on in North Carolina, there's something like 14,000 untested rape kits. 14,000 yep. women who were raped chose to have the rape kit done and submitted, not just stored, but submitted to be investigated. And those women are probably still waiting for justice because their kits have not been tested. And... That's the whole situation that happened in the Hanya Aguilar case, too. He would have been behind bars had they tested that rape kit and found that he was a perpetrator in another rape. Mm -hmm. So coming forward, reporting an assault, it's like a crapshoot. You may have the police listen to you. They may take it to the district attorney. That person may choose to prosecute. The jury or judge may choose justice for you. The judge may choose a good sentence or may not. It's a crapshoot. Right. Um, I do want to say something from the Crime Connect team to all of our listeners. Um, If you have ever said, why didn't you report it? Shame on you. If you have ever heard... Why didn't you report it? We are sorry. We love you. And we are on your side. Absolutely. We fight this every day. Yep. And it gets tiring. And we see it, especially this year, has been so hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cases in Boston have been hard. This case has been hard. The Samantha case recently oh my god i'm about to start crying it's just been hard and and we try and educate people and we try to get people to understand that until we start focusing on why it's happening who's doing it and why they're choosing to do it and why these people aren't being punished the first time it's just gonna keep happening you could do all the victim blaming in the world. You could say, why did she wear that all you want? You could say, oh, I would never get into that Uber drunk. All you want. It's still going to happen. And it might happen to you. It doesn't even have to be an Uber. It could be, it mm-hmm. could be anything. It could be, it like, could be your friend's car. Exactly. Some, you know, some friends that you've known from high school or college or whatever and you, you've been around them for a few years and you need a, a ride home, they offer, and then all of a sudden they're driving around around forever and you're like, wait, we're supposed to go that way. Why mm-hmm. are you going this way? And then they like grow quiet or whatever. I mean, I've been in a situation like that and I yeah. think that I actually like spooked them, the two guys that I knew, because they realized I wasn't as drunk as they thought I was. Mm-hmm. And... That was me at a young age. I was probably 20 years old, maybe 19 at the time. Um, I had a boyfriend. I don't know why I got in the car with them. I think we were supposed to, like, go get some food or something. But 
it doesn't matter. I was in that car and all of a sudden I realized I was not where I need where I was mm-hmm. and I was ready to jump out of the car. I don't know how far I would have made it, who would have opened their door to me or whatever, but I was in a neighborhood, very nice neighborhoods, you know, in, in the town that I was living in at the time. Um, but, you know, I was scared and it was not the time of cell phones. It was not the time. I mean, I'm old, you know, <laughs> I had a pager and, you know, I couldn't call out on that. So, you know what I mean? But you don't know. And I, I got lucky that night. I truthfully feel like I got lucky that night. So I think one of the best things you can do as a human, a woman or a man, there's a book called The Gift of Fear. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. If you guys ever want to be prepared for a situation, and I'm not talking about dressing the right way or not going out after dark, get this book called The Gift of Fear. You can get it on Amazon. It's cheap. Um, it's very, very popular and it teaches you. Is it a Kindle read by chance? Um, yes, you could get it on Kindle. Okay. You okay. could get it on Audible and Amazon. Um, it came out years ago and it's very popular and it will, t- it teaches you there are situations all around us that are bad and you know, you're just one step away from being in a shitty situation and it teaches you how to use your senses and how to recognize what is going on around you and use your senses, the hair on the back of your neck, stuff like that. And use the knots in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Use the fear that you have to recognize what you're in and how to get out of that. Because really that's, as a, as a person, that is the only way you can, not the only way, but the first way that you can sense these situations and try and get out of them. There's nothing really we can do to prevent them. And, I mean, you know, we li- follow these cases, and I think we take something from every case because I think we all have anxiety, and we're all scared that this is going to happen to us too. Some of us have been in situations like the cases we follow. And I think so we take little bits of pieces of, okay, now I know what to do with an Uber. And now I know what to do getting out of the airport. Now I know what to do when jogging, that kind of thing. But trust your senses. Live your life, but trust your senses. And that and self-defense and... You know, just hoping that you're not next until they figure out how to punish these evil people the first time. Yep. Until, you know, so they don't get worse and worse and worse. I mean, you just don't know what is going to, when you're going to be safe or, I, you know, what what situation is going to put you in a dangerous situation. You can't just, like, mm-hmm. stop living life. You have to move on. You have to continue to keep yep, and and not try to live so much in fear, but, you know, move forward, continue on because you will get stuck. Um, yep. I was just talking about this the other day. 
I love how Facebook is like my my reference for everything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it has so much of my information. Um, so three simple rules in life is something that I don't know if I, I copied it or whatever, but it was something that I, I that was in my memories and I re- reposted it. But three simple rules in life. If you do not go after what you want, you'll never have it. If you do not ask the answer, it will the answer will always be no. And if you do not step forward, you will always be in the same same place. So number three, if you do not step forward, you will always be in the same place. Mm-hmm. So do absolutely move on, you know, go on with your life, but but listen to your gut. I know I've talked about my past here and there in some of our groups. I will not go into detail here, but I can tell those of you who don't know, there is every reason to think that I should not be here and not be talking about this stuff, not be on Facebook, not enjoying my life, not being happy. Um, But you can't live that way. And even if horrible things happen to you, you have to move forward. All we can do is hope that I think that people pay attention to these and hope that it creates more survivors. And I think the more people talk about being survivors, really putting it out there. And you don't have to tell your story. You don't have to say details. You could just say, I am a survivor. I know what this is like. And I know this is what needs to change. Then I think the more it will be listened to. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, I always look at these girls that we follow that end up dead and murdered. I always think that they're a stepping stone to a better future, that maybe this case is what will bring change. And hopefully Mackenzie's case will bring some sort of positive change for the rest of us. Well, and, you know, it might it might also... Um create something somebody something might you know connect in the sugar baby sugar daddy lifestyle that that's out there to make some kind of like safe um safe program or an app even Mm -hmm. for the sugar baby sugar daddy lifestyle so that you know there there can be check-ins or whatever that that makes the sugar baby feel safe or whatever and um there's jewelry out there now i i you can google it it's actually mm-hmm. like personal alarms and they're disguised as like trinkets and little little charms and whatnot. And you can wear it as a necklace or a bracelet um, and, you know, just press the button and nobody's going to know. It, but there's a GPS locator in there and the police are, are called yep. to where you're at. There's all kinds of ways to protect yourself. And, and you know, the bad guy is not always going to win. We just have to remember that. and and Yeah. And we can't be passive. We can't just sit behind a computer and say, oh, that's a terrible thing that happened to her. She shouldn't have done that. Right. That doesn't work. You know, take take the precautions that actually work. Like you said, the jewelry. I've seen a lot of really nice pieces. Yeah. There's tools and weapons you can carry. I have a coupon. I have a coupon that I like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and practice using them so that you're ready when the situation comes. Not that it's a guarantee, and not 
that, you know, we judge anybody for not having done that. But let's turn the tables. Let's not let these assholes get away with it. Well, and I hope that we find out more um, over the next com- you know, couple of days. I know that we have a lot of people in the groups that are wanting to know, um, you know, how they met, why they, you know, why she was comfortable, how she died. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that was a question that was asked. And, you know, right now all we have is speculation especially when it comes to how she met him. I mean, we have no earthly idea how she died at this point. None. Mm -hmm. Um, They've given us nothing to go on in that regard. Um, How she met him, you know, we may have some theories based on, you know, her lifestyle, based on things that have been said about him um, or things that are assumed about him. So, you know, hopefully over the next few days as this unfolds, I know that they've said that they have a lot right now that they're keeping to themselves, um, which they should, you know, until they have a case that's strong enough that they can really Mm -hmm. make sure that they, you know, get him locked down. But I'm hoping and, you know, I'm thinking that we will probably have more of those answers over the next few days um, or the the coming weeks that we'll be able to share. One thing that we didn't talk about um, is the 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 gentleman that was um, interviewed yesterday. Uh, he was approached by Ayula Ajay, Ajaya uh, to create a the torture a chamber room in the basement where his Airbnb yes. was. And, it, yes. and as it was going along, the text started to get more and more like, I want, you know, a fingerprint lock. I want, you know, hooks, you know, at this level. I want soundproofing. And, you know, the guy ended up not taking the job, but that doesn't mean that somebody else didn't take the job. Um, yeah. Or so, he did it himself. Right. But if, and, and if I, if I recall correctly, the Airbnb uh was actually blocked off for the next six weeks i haven't seen anything about that but Mm. you know one of the things about this little torture room that he was trying to build i have to admit that when i was reading this um the you know this statement from the the construction man the first thing that popped into my head was 50 shades of gray so Mm -hmm. you know i mean in a circumstance like this, I mean, this guy got creeped out by it and said no, but how many people, I mean, because there are legitimate people who enjoy doing things like this. So, you know, I mean, there are people that, that live lifestyles like this and that enjoy this and that, you know, to them, this is perfectly normal. So, you know, was it the fact that I guess if this contractor just got freaked out by him, you know, who's to say, like you said, that another contractor wouldn't or that somebody, you know, anywhere could have things like this built, you know, just based on the fact, I mean, it now that ever since that book came out, you know, a lot more of information has come out about, you know, um, the, those type of relationships. And, you know, I don't think as yep. many people think it's quite, you know, abnormal. Very common. Add the secret room to what the second house cleaner said about that she had gone to that house and there was cameras in every room and that he was offering yep. her whiskey and following her around and she decided to leave. He had cameras in his Airbnb. 
Yeah, that's creepy. Mm-hmm. He had cameras in his whole house. So I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm hoping for the prosecution's sake, not because I want to see it, not because I want to know anything about it. I'm hoping that he actually recorded whatever happened with, with Mackenzie so that, I mean, it's like. Yeah. And then we'll have some real answers. Right. Like it's concrete. Like it's right there though. So that like. Speaking of evidence, um, at some point they were looking, we did find that he gave Mm -hmm. away a mattress at his house um, and the, the box spring. Just tonight, the police have announced they're no longer looking for that mattress. So they said that they found both. They I saw in it. an article that it they said that like they have found both. I saw. Let's not forget the fact that they were also listed on two different sites. The, yep. the mattress was listed on Facebook Marketplace and the box spring was placed on Let, Let It Go. Yeah. So he was definitely trying to keep these two pieces separated um and not together in any way and and make it so that that uh they would not be together if they were found if one was found then the other one wouldn't be found so now we're going to be heading into the trial phase for this or the you know the court phase for this usually in every state and city and county and everything is different but usually what will happen next is at some point he'll have a bond hearing um, then he'll have an arraignment. Usually at the arraignment, we get a little information because they do the probable cause and the judge is like, I find probable cause to hold you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then at some point after that, either you'll get another first appearance or they'll just jump to the preliminary hearing. You really want to look out for that preliminary hearing and we'll obviously let everybody in the group know when it is, when we know. Because that's usually when they give not all of the details, but so much detail. Because that's when the judge will decide if it's good enough to go to trial. So we're going to have, obviously we'll have a a court calendar. So when we know dates, you'll know dates. And we'll be following this until the end. And Crystal's very good at keeping us up to date, like in time, um, when it comes to all hearings and all court, court court threads. I mean, she's faster than anybody I've ever seen. It's like, yeah, it's like she's got like eight monitors up and like you know all these keyboards, but it's just one woman, and she's just amazing. So Crystal is definitely one to follow if she's gonna do if she's gonna do something she's gonna do it and that's one of the things that's like one of my favorite things about crime connect yeah if you guys are at work during a hearing and you're gonna miss it and you can't watch it live just get in our group whatever thread that i'm on and i will have live updates as as long as i can get them then i i share them immediately and usually a judge will decide if the media can tweet inside the courtroom um and usually that's really helpful. So hey guys, I was looking yeah. I was looking I was looking through some stuff um, just a minute ago and it actually goes back to the the um, room that he was trying to build and he was saying that he wanted the hooks there to be wine racks. Um, 
something that jumped out at me while I was reading this was that, you know, he told them that he wanted it soundproof for music. Um, but he said that he was adamant in telling him that money wasn't an object and that he needed to get it done now. Uh, the reason he wanted it done so fast was his yeah. girlfriend was coming. It said that he didn't tell me her name, what she looked like, anything like that. He just said that his girlfriend was coming into town and needed to get it done before she got there because she was a Mormon girl. He did say she was a white girl and she didn't know he drank. So he wanted to hide his alcohol from her. So with that being said, it does sound like he was really building this room specifically for her. So he had a, if it was for her, then they definitely had to have known each other at least online enough to know that she was um or that her family was with the latter-day saints yep yeah well and she he also recently got a divorce yes right uh i think it ended in january of this year um and we don't know much about her yet and and i'm not sure whether we will or not um but i mean obviously he he went into full full mode whatever he was doing um if he was doing this in april then he's he had probably had been doing it for a while so i mean clearly there is a lot more to discover in this case um and there's a lot more to discover in this case i think we're just at the very tip of the iceberg and it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a punch in the gut every time we get an update. But the more that they get and they learn, the easier it's going to be to put this guy away. Yeah. And that's the that's the most important part. That is, that is above all, the only thing that we want right now is justice for Kenzie. Because that's what she deserves. And nobody, not anybody, is... Um, mm-hmm. Nobody is safe, and nobody deserves to die. We just want to live our lives. That's it. Yep. Amen. I think that's all we've got on this case. Yeah, I think we're pretty much at the... I mean, there's really not that much to... So if you stumbled upon this podcast, and you have no idea what we're talking about, really... um, especially when we're talking about our group. We do run a series of case groups. If you're interested in this case, you can find it. It's Mackenzie Lewick Disappearance and Case Discussion by Crime Connect. All of our groups are labeled by Crime Connect. It's very important that you join legit groups. There are some groups out there that are more interested in false information and drama And then there are some groups out there that really do care about the case. Um, Just pay attention to what you join and and how things run in those groups. We have Google the administrators administrators, because sometimes you could find some interesting information. And Google the names of the groups Mm -hmm. because we've actually seen just Mm -hmm. today um, a group that was in the news because they were spreading false information. Yeah, there were two. There Mm -hmm. were two doing that. And I think one was doing it on purpose. Yeah. Um, I missed that. You guys are going to have to tell me. I will tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also we have have been 
in the media as well, thankfully for better reasons, um, just because we cover some of the bigger stories out there in a nice way. Right. And we're not trying to say we're better than anybody. We're just trying to Absolutely say that we, we try to keep to the facts. Uh, we don't allow the rumors. We want um, some kind of like source to go with whatever. Mm-hmm. We don't like the I heard or this person said. We want, you know, media links. We want LE sources we, or law enforcement or sources. And we don't want confused people in our group. If people are confused, we want to be able to correct them or give them the right answer. So a lot of times we make sure people are posting the source or we're asking for a source. Once we have the source, then we hand it out as many times as we need to to make sure everybody in our group is on the same page. And we work really hard to make sure that people are respectful. We yes. make sure that everybody, you know, tries to, we, we try to make it a safe place for people to discuss these cases and share their opinions and ask their questions without mm-hmm. being attacked or jumped on right. or, you know, being called names because they've made a statement that somebody doesn't agree so with. So join any right. Facebook group you want. Just Crystal's the bomb. <laughs> Just know that Crime Connect is going to be where things are 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 a little bit more on the the factual side. There's not so much goofing off. I mean, mm-hmm. every now and then the admins have a little fun in there, and we allow the members to jump in and have a little fun in there. But for the most part, we're very serious, and we want to make sure that you know things are done a certain way and and whatnot. But Join whatever groups that you want to do because there, there's sometimes you'll find something out in a group that we don't have and that's fine. Um, it's information. Mm-hmm. Join yeah. multiple groups. So, yeah. But, you know, C- crime connect. Hey, that's where I want to be. That's why I admin because I admire crystal. I, I, and we are a team of five, four and five. It depends on, you know, whether or not, you know, uh, Kathy's in or out, but, um, what the group right. is, yeah. But we talk together every day. We have known each other for over a year and a half now. We are so close. We are bonded. We are like best friends and we try our best. And it's almost like we know each other so well that no matter what happens uh, in the group, it's we don't even have to talk about it in chat. We already know. Like we can like pretty much... <laughs> I can comment, Crystal can comment, and Nikki can comment. We can all post at the same time, and we practically say the same thing, yeah. and we didn't discuss it in chat. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. It helps yes, to be on the same does. page. <laughs> so. Um, so, we have the group on this case, Mackenzie Lewick. We have the Crime Connect page on Facebook. Um, you can get a lot of updates there and we have the crime connect, the vault group. Um, all of these groups you can find on the crime connect page. If you're confused about everything we're saying. Um, so we hope you join us in the discussions. If you have any questions, feel free to ask us and, uh, yeah, we will see you for our next podcast. So glad we're back to podcasts and so glad that Crystal is back <sighs> up and healthy again. Back so, to so normal. That we can do this. 
back to normal and we will be doing podcasts a lot more again. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you for um, allowing us the time that uh, Crystal needed to um, take care of the things that she needed to take care of, get her health back together. And uh, um, I'm so excited to be back in the podcast again. We have some big cases to discuss. We have the Jennifer Dulos case to discuss. Yes, we do. I think we'll be doing that that next. The circus for sure. Yes. So I'm excited to cover that one. So yep. thank you, Nikki and Jerusha. Thank you. These are always the thank best. You, thank you. I'm so glad we got to do a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next time. All right, later. Peace out, y'all. If you enjoyed this please join our Crime Connect Facebook page. From there, you could join our main group, The Vault. And we have so many different case-specific groups. They're all listed on the Crime Connect page. I would love for you to join us and follow us. See you there.